Welcome to the Travel Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Ama Waterways. Whether you're a wine novice or a self-described enophile, Ama Waterways invites you to indulge in one of their many celebration of wine river cruises through Europe's most iconic wine regions. These special wine-themed sailings provide a unique and delicious dimension to mesmerizing itineraries through the most charming regions of France, Germany, Austria, and many more. With enhanced Epicurean experiences always included in the price of the cruise, learn from your professional wine host, indulge in decadent wine tastings, connect with local artisans and vendors, and enjoy wine perfectly chosen to enhance the exceptional culinary experiences on board. To set out on your celebration of Wine River Cruise journey, reach out to your preferred travel advisor or visit amawaterways.com today. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, May 15th. Happy Travel Tuesday and happy National Do Something Good for Your Neighbor Day. It's also National Love a Tree Day, so there's that. These national days sure are interesting out there, but um, hey, go out and do something good, whether for your neighbor, your friend, or stranger. Always nice to spread love and positivity out there, right? So thanks for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you could subscribe to the show or leave a review wherever you're listening, I would greatly appreciate that. We've got a good one for you today. We're going to be talking big news around the world of travel, potential strike on the way. We'll see. You. And uh, also later in the show, joining me will be Julia Simpson, president and CEO for World Travel and Tourism Council. We'll discuss the latest on the status of global tourism right now and how the WTTC helps the tourism industry. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with a possible pilot strike. Uh-oh. No, it's not going to happen, folks. I don't see it happening. But could it? Would it disrupt summer travel? A lot would need to actually happen for that to be the case. But both American Airlines and Southwest Airlines pilots have voted to authorize a strike. So that's certainly concerning. You know, they want their voices heard. And saying uh, the president of Southwest Union said in a statement, quote, the lack of leadership and un- the unwillingness to address the failures of our organization have led us to this point. Our pilots are tired of apologizing to our passengers on behalf of a company that refuses to place its priorities on its internal and ex- external customers, end quote. So yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not very happy there. And they, you know, they face a lot of heat when you know, flights are disla- di- you know, disrupted or delayed, canceled, or yeah, they're, they're on the front lines there and the flight attendants as well. So certainly not happening. Nothing is imminent, though. Federal law prohibits an immediate strike action. So in, in order for a strike to actually happen, negotiations would have to break down between the pilots and airline management. The National Mediation Board would then have to get involved. A mandatory 30-day cooling off period would be, then be observed, and at which time uh, President Joe Biden could actually appoint a board to oversee further negotiations and everything. So obviously there are a lot of steps in the way to actually get a strike to go because the way that the laws are set up, which is a good thing, you know, we that would be quite devastating to the travel industry there to have a strike going on. So don't see it happening, but hopefully these pilots can get paid. They certainly deserve it. They're keeping us safe in the skies, people, you know, pay them their money. So other airline news, TSA is using more facial recognition technology to speed up airport wait times. The facial recognition technology systems can be found in 16 airports right now, including major cities like Atlanta, Denver, Los Angeles, Orlando, many more, obviously. TSA officials said that the pilot program has yielded positive results so far and no major issues of discrimination based on age, gender, race, or ethnicity have been reported. Some elected officials and privacy advocates continue to question the technology and how the data 
obtained is secured. So TSA maintains that they take it all very seriously, but just like with so much out there, you know, it's right to be concerned about how this data is secured and, you know, the future of facial recognition and how that impacts everywhere out there. So the, these programs though, are likely to be required, uh, come required for all travelers as they are more effective and efficient, but no timetable was provided there. In other air news, Domestic airfare prices are down and international flights are up ahead of summer travel season. I mean, they're still expensive outright for sure. But according to travel booking app Hopper, the average price for a domestic flight in the U.S. is expected to be around $306 this summer, a considerable drop from the $376 average last summer. While the domestic prices are down, the cost of international tickets is up with airfares projected to hit their highest level since 2019. The average ticket to Europe will cost an estimated eleven hundred dollars each, and an increase. That's an increase of uh, an, the average of eight hundred sixty-four was recorded before the pandemic time period. Other average flight costs include eighteen hundred dollars per ticket for Asian trips, a little over fourteen hundred for Africa or the Middle East, and a little over seventeen hundred for Australia and surrounding nations. All of which are up between two hundred to six hundred dollars overall. So price remains a key focal point for so many when making travel decisions, and it directly correlates to customer satisfaction with airlines as well. According to the new JD Power 2023 North American Airline Satisfaction Study, customer satisfaction with the major carriers is down significantly for a second straight year. The big cause for the drop is cost and fees. Satisfaction with food and beverages improving across all segments, though, which have does anyone out there really love airplane food on that i mean i just i digress i mean to each their own i guess i'm just never been a huge fan of any food i've ever gotten on a plane but then again i am not ultra rich and flying up front all the damn time like some of these people out there so totally can understand if these are the people that are being like yeah it's great (laughs) this food is delicious on this plane and i don't know what type of kitchen they had or where this came from but it's great that's, that's my thoughts on that. But you can see the full results of that study up on Travel Pulse, but know that JetBlue and Delta were the big winners there, and American and Front were, Frontier were the big losers. People not as happy with them as other airlines. So jumping over to destination news, another week, another destination ending COVID travel restrictions. Yay! Ah, yeah, woo Right? And that's what we want to see. We want the world fully open and fully moved past any thoughts of pandemic and that's fully in the rearview mirror. That's what we want as a travel industry, get back to all destinations being fully open. So that destination last week was Chile. They ended all COVID restrictions. So the latest to do so, and I believe that's only, there's only like 25 destinations now that um, require testing around the world. So and obviously there's a couple that uh, you can't get into and for not pandemic related reasons, nobody's going to Ukraine at the moment still. In other destination news, Disney World announced a new summer ticket offer. Beginning May 23rd, guests can purchase a four-day four-park magic ticket for $99 plus uh, per $99 per day plus tax. So no theme park reservations are needed on that, which is most welcome to a lot of people out there and the reservation system going away in 24. So the uh, four-park magic ticket is valid for admission June 1st through September 29th, subject to blockout dates for July 4th and Labor Day holidays, obviously. So that generated some big buzz, as did the possibility of a further Disney expansion. The company has realigned itself over the last six months with Bob Iger taking back over in the CEO role. Speaking at the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference, Iger said, quote, certainly in Florida, we have a lot of property. We have a lot of opportunity outside the United States. We actually have more opportunity in California than people are aware, end quote. So yeah, expansion on the horizon, for sure, for sure. 
the comment about California certainly is interesting. It could be in reference to uh, the Disneyland forward stuff, which Disney teased and has lands of uh, theme to Frozen, Peter Pan, Tangled, Zootopia, Tron, and Toy Story. So Disney needs Anaheim to be on board for that, though. And who knows with all the, that how long things will take. But yeah, for all the Disney parks, I mean, rumors are always going to swirl around all of them year in and year out when it comes to anything Disney, really. I mean, that's it's just out there. It's what when you're that big, I guess, you know, that's, that's going to be out there, but even just general, you know, entertainment theme park stuff like that's always going to happen. I mean, we still have rumors circulating about Epic universe and universal and what is going to be, you know, the full plans of that. So eagerly awaiting everything that we can know about that one. But in the meantime, you know, what we do know uh, for certain is the house of mouse will always be innovating. So Disney's always going to be out there. So eventually they're going to build and create new attractions and, I don't see Disney slowing down anytime soon. Do you? Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email. Let me know your thoughts on that. As we jump over to hotel news, U.S. hotel performance continues to improve, and it grew year over year at the beginning of this month of May here, according to new data from STR. Love to see that. Positive news on the growth for the travel industry. And speaking of growth, the all-inclusive market is booming. Hilton is growing its portfolio with their first property in the DR. Hilton announced that its first management agreement for the first all-inclusive curio collection by Hilton Property in the Dominican Republic. It's the new build Zimmy Meaches all-inclusive resort by curio collection by Hilton. It's a, that's, a, that's a mouthful of a long name. I'm just going to say that out there to, to throw in and your full hotel name. You got to get curio collection in there and buy Hilton. In there, but that's it's the brands, you know, power of the brands, right? Anyway. That hotel in Meech's, his uh, all-inclusive resort, should I say, is slated to open in 2024. Hilton plans to nearly triple its portfolio in the Dominican Republic over the next five years. So that's exciting to see that. But, you know, um, Zimmy Meech's is up first with that. And uh, the Meech's region, that's quite the growing destination for the DR. I toured it back in May of 2018 when Club Med broke ground there on their Club Med Meech's Playa Esmeralda. And... It was, you know, trees everywhere. It was, it was, a, it was a cool experience. You know, first, first time for me in a hotel groundbreaking uh, situation, and that really pioneered the way for Meaches to grow. And we see more and more of that. It's uh, Meaches is like a, a two, three hour somewhere around their drive from uh, Punta Cana. So that destination will continue to grow, as will all of Dominican Republic. But speaking of growing, that's what the all inclusive market is doing, and it's on a worldwide scale. The all-inclusive market is global, baby. It is more than just the Caribbean, my friends. And Hyatt is making a big push in that growth. Hyatt's the other brand out there that announced new all-inclusive resorts coming soon. They announced four new all-inclusive resorts in Bulgaria. The hotel company is revealed opening of Secret Sunny Beach Resort and Spa, Dream Sunny Beach Resort and Spa, Alua Sun Helios Beach and Alua Helios Bay representing the entry of the inclusive collection into a third European country. They're already in Spain and Greece. And they're going to be expanding in Greece too as Hyatt announces Zoetry Wellness and Spa Resorts brand will debut in Greece. It will open in mid-2024 in Halkidiki, Greece. So where might Hyatt go next in Europe? The Azores perhaps? Italy? I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of space out there. There's a lot of beautiful scenery and a lot of places you could create amazing all-inclusive, you know, hotel spaces there. We got to think that Marriott and Hilton are going to be, you know, moving to play catch up here on all-inclusives beyond just the Caribbean like Hyatt's doing, right? I mean, one would think that that's where you go on this, but because people love the all-inclusive style vacation, you know, that is for certain, then they are thriving. 
It's also an enticing way to get Americans to travel internationally and beyond just the Caribbean too. So I definitely see these continuing to grow and, and more and more happening in Europe and sprinkling over into Asia, you know, South Pacific a little bit more too with uh, this all-inclusive market. I do not see it slowing down anytime soon. So what say you? That wraps up what we have in trending and travel space. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Now we're going to jump over to our interview segment of the show. And now joining me on the podcast is Julia Simpson, president and CEO for the World Travel and Tourism Council. Welcome back to the show, Julia. Eric, thank you very much. It's lovely to be back. Always a good time to have you on. Looking forward to talking some travel here. So the last time you were on the show was late 2021, and we discussed the world's path to tourism recovery then, and my, how things have changed, right? So as we approach uh, summer of 2023 here, what is going on in the world of travel right now? What's the status of global tourism right now? Well, it's really, really good news. I think after people uh, suffered the pandemic, they were keen when they could, when restrictions were eased, to get back out there traveling. And certainly all the numbers that we are seeing show that 2023 is going to be a really strong year. I mean, just, just for your viewers, Eric, the way I put it, out of every $10 made on this planet, one comes from travel and tourism. And out of every 10 jobs on this planet, one comes from travel and tourism. So if you go back pre-pandemic, it was worth about $10 trillion. And this year, globally, we'll be back to about 95% of that. It's about $9.6 trillion. So we're nearly, that's a global picture. There are some countries, about 34 countries, that are ahead of 2019 numbers already. So it's a very, very positive picture. Lovely. Yeah, it's great to see, you know, the, the industry is thriving in certain aspects. But it's still a long way to go for some. And I think that, you know, maybe 2024 could surpass 2019 for for some of it. Maybe, I don't know about the, the whole globe. Uh, what, what do you think of, of uh, the future? Well, in the future, we're looking at over the next 10 years, travel and tourism is going to grow by double digits, double the amount of global economic growth. So this is a really big growth sector. I came back from a travel show that they celebrate in Berlin every year. You know, your your readers and watchers will know it, ITB. And I sat next to a banker and I said, where have you been? He said, oh, I've just been to the big travel show in Berlin. I said, really? And I said, what's your interest? He said, it's a big growth sector. It's a big growth sector, particularly te- technology. So um, that's great news. And remember, travel and tourism grew at double the rate of global GDP for nine years before the pandemic. So this is us getting back on track. We think it's going to be worth something like um, $16 trillion in 10 years, and it's going to be employing over half a million people globally. Ooh, that That is a large sum of money right there. It's a but hey, that, that's great for the travel industry and, and the future looks bright, certainly. So any uh, travel trends that are, are sticking out to you right now on, on how people are, are getting out and about? Yeah, really interesting travel trends. We've all heard this horrible phrase, a phrase, pleasure, but it's absolutely true. We are seeing, you know, hoteliers are telling me some of their busiest days now are Sunday when you know Sundays traditionally was quite a, a weekday and that's because people are going on trips and they're extending leisure and business trip combining them in one so it really really interesting that whole model is changing I spoke to a, a fantastic top hotelier the other day and he said you know I used to be able to sit in my hotel foyer and I could tell the leisure traveler from the business traveler from the student he said now you just can't tell 
Um, so very, very strong bookings. That's number one. Number two, immediately after COVID, the bookings tend to tended to be what I call back to nature. People wanted to get away from crowded places and be in the great outback. And certainly that wanting to be in an adventurous, more rural setting is still there. But the good news is the traditional cities and beaches are back with a vengeance. So people are coming back. The other thing is, how do people book? And we all know social marketing is now, you know, much more influential in the way people, you know, they scroll down their phones, they get their phone, they go, oh, we'd like to go here. So, you know, the 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 companies that know how to market that way very powerfully are definitely the winners. Um, and we're also seeing some of the biggest spenders are going to be Australians, um, uh, Canadians, uh, Saudi Arabians. So, you know, some big spenders coming back into the market as well. Um, I think the only reason this year is slightly lower than 2019 is obviously China has only just reopened. And you have to remember, the wonderful Chinese visitor represents 15% of all spending when they travel. So, you know, they are slowly coming back into the market, as are the Japanese. Yeah, talk about big spenders there. That's uh, that's going to bode well for, for the future of travel and tourism once they can get out and about. We're seeing more. I mean, we just had the World Health Organization drop um, the COVID-19 emergency just last week. And so that's a... Uh, a good sign. You know, they urged countries to lower their travel restrictions. And we saw more in, as you just mentioned, you know, China opening up. So I think that's going to be bode well. And to go back, you know, on one of the other trends, the the leisure aspect of things, I think business travel is like totally just changed. And the future of that is like still a big question mark around that in my eyes, at least. But the the leisure aspect of it, the, the blended travel of it, I don't think that will really ever go away. So many people are just so accustomed to, to working from home now. And really just as long as you have that Wi-Fi, as long as you've got that quality internet, you're good. So travel out and about and work while you travel is, is my takeaway. Yeah. And, and I do think business travel is back um, very strongly. It might not fully recover until next year, but it's uh, it's very and I think, you know, it's normal. I don't know about you, but when I go and meet people and I do business face to face, it's very different from trying to do business you know, on a video yeah. call. And yes, if they're your tried and trusted people that you've worked with for years, of course, it's super convenient. No one's going to say we're going to get the death of Zoom. Of course, we're not. You know, it's really, really important. But I still think that those big deals and also getting teams together, I'm seeing more and more, as we call it, mice in the trade, um, you know, many more conferences. I mean, ITB was packed. Um, ATM in 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 the Middle East has been so busy. So I think we are seeing more mice activity as well. Which is certainly great for the industry, getting out and about, connecting one-on-one -on -one with folks. There's power in that. The face-to-face -face, you know, aspect of that is certainly key uh, to, to the recovery of the travel industry to surpass the numbers that we've seen and that we certainly hope to achieve and everything. Uh, as we talk about destinations, though, um, which ones have jumped out to you and that have you seen have a really strong tourism showing here um, throughout the rest of 2023? What's trending big there? And, and which places do you think still need some time to recover uh, beyond China, as yeah. we just mentioned? Yeah. So actually, the US and Latin America um, this year are already beating 2019 figures. So the US and Latin America are the fastest movers. And 
then you definitely getting you know europe's coming along um europe and uh southeast asia will be recovering next year to their full numbers and probably the year after that will be the caribbean um the destinations that have to rely much more heavily on international visitors um are the ones that it, you know have sort of suffered more or it's taking longer to come back but even the caribbean is a very very mixed picture if you look at somewhere like dominican republic Punta Cana, Punta Cana Group, you know, they're doing, Punta Cana's doing amazingly, Dominican Republic's doing amazingly. They're already uh, above their 2019 numbers. But there are other countries, and of course, demand is still outstripping supply, and that works across our whole sector. So, you know, in terms of the number of planes, I was just speaking to someone from Singapore, and, you know, a lot of the routes, as you call them, between Singapore and China, um, they closed down during the pandemic. So they're renegotiating those flying rights between China and Singapore. So that sort of international travel in patches is taking a little bit more of a while to come back. And in the U.S., I think they would have been back sooner. But if you remember, the U.S. government held on to that antigen test, not that we want to go back there and remember all that. But they held on to it and it did put international travel travelers off when the rest of the world was opening. They chose to go elsewhere. But, you know, Brand USA, USA Travel, amazing organizations. And um, the U.S. is now storming ahead. Yeah. And we've got uh, the big event for them coming up with IPW later on in May here, which should, you know, bode well for, for that, too. So it's interesting that, you know, the U.S. could really just skyrocket even more so as you get more of the Chinese travelers coming over and just more international travelers coming in. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, domestic travel from the Americans still going on. And I think we'll see that too this summer throughout. And although I know a lot of people going over to Europe this summer too and, and jumping at that because uh, they booked, you know, OBS forever ago, it seems like, because the prices are pretty good then. Right now, prices not so much on that front, but there's a lot of places that are, are still deals available. It's just not as much as in the past. Yeah, I think the U.S. traveler is in quite a good position because the dollar's strong. So, you know, for them going to Europe, it, it's very attractive at the moment. And the research that we've done shows that 63% of consumers have said that they are planning on a big trip this year. Uh, so again, you're seeing high levels still of disposable income and people don't want to buy things. They want to get out there and have experiences. That's the best way to go. Yeah, don't uh, things only last for, for so long, but those memories, uh, they can last a lifetime for, for those experiences, as my listeners know very well. So um, as your role of uh, president and CEO of World Travel and Tourism Council, can you just talk a little bit more about that and, and what the work that uh, WTTC does for travel and tourism? Yeah, sure. So the World Travel and Tourism Council, commonly known as the WTTC, we represent 200 of the top CEOs. So it's the employers, if you like, the private sector of uh, travel and tourism. And we, we, we represent globally. So we have members in India, in China, in obviously in the US, in Europe, you know, all around the world. Um, and we're seen as the, the voice of the private sector. So what we try and do is we talk about the value of travel and tourism to economies and also to the jobs. You know, travel and tourism jobs are amazing jobs for two reasons. One, they're direct entry level jobs. So 
you can i was speaking to um uh tony capuano at um maria and he was saying you know if you've got the right attitude and you've got the right drive you can start at the very very lowest entry level for a job in one of his hotels and you can become ceo you know now there are a lot of professions that don't offer that kind of um progression so that's number one also it's a job that is immense pride you know there's lots of specialisms in it marketing there's finance there's technology there's hospitality and people feel very very proud to serve customers and again in this growing digital age where we're all relating much more to our phones often than we are to human beings when we go on holiday we really want to understand about communities local communities and those people who guide us and serve us it's an amazing point of human contact that is not really replaceable in, in many many other sectors and i think the other thing that wttc does really well is we talk about the environment and sustainability very powerfully um we've been working actually with saudi arabia uh, we're very proud to have a partnership with them whereby we have tried with oxford economics which is a, a big uh, uh, economics organization we work with to quantify what is travel and tourism impact in terms of the environment globally and not just our greenhouse gas emissions but how do we help communities what are we doing what is our footfall and the really really great thing that we get out of this is that actually even today the amount of greenhouse gases that are emitted by all of us using the technology we're using and this technology is about the same as travel and tourism okay it's about we contrib contribute about eight percent of greenhouse gas emissions that was back in 2019 um, and we're very, very aware, what can we do about that? And it's not to shame another sector, it's just to say that all, all human activity has an impact, everything we do. Um, and so we're working very hard. We've now got the data. We know that we're responsible for 8% uh, globally. And that's absolutely everything. Hotels, cruise lines, OTAs, um, you know, every aspect of travel and tourism, airlines lines, airports, um, and probably the two biggest factors in terms of greenhouse gases. One is the energy that we use, which isn't entirely within our hands. We have to buy energy. So it's how can we get people to ensure that we're buying energy efficiently and that it is efficient green energy. And obviously, fossil fuels that are burned in, in our aircraft as we fly around the world. I come from an aviation background. I can tell you aviation have taken this so seriously. They've been taking it seriously since the 1970s. And now we've got a really big call to action with governments because we need the more production of sustainable aviation fuel where we're using things like um, household trash and waste to create um fuel sustainable fuel for aircraft so we're calling on some of the great companies like the aramcos in the world like the shells um to really pull together and to produce more saf for our aircraft and for governments to facilitate that and it's very easily done because they governments have done that for ev electric vehicles as we call them and we've so we've got the regulatory framework we've got the financial incentives they just need to turn their mind to that so 
the the thing is we're all in this together yeah and the, um, the you talk about the sustainable aviation fuel there it's um so important and united just uh tripled said they're going to triple their their use on that and i think that's one thing that really needs to focus you know we're ready with electric vehicles the mindset there is a lot of people switching over to that so let's let's get that on um with with planes and everything because as we know and as we've talked about on this uh show already travel's not slowing down it's going to be in the mega trillions as you said earlier so we need to get a little bit better on these planes and how they're impacting the environment. That's 100% true. So thank you guys for for what you guys are doing at WTTC and uh, any ways you know we can help uh, spread that message out there because it's it's certainly important for for the the future of the industry and and how we uh, impact this beautiful earth that we love traveling. Exactly. And you know the other thing is that we really campaign on on nature. I think the more modern term and correct term is biodiversity. People often talk about cops and focus on greenhouse gases, but actually our impact on nature is really important. I've just come back from Rwanda. Um you know the mountain gorillas there were on the brink of extinction in the 1980s. There were about 200 left. There are now more like 1,200, they are now reforesting and rewilding parts of the habitat for that beautiful creature. Um, and But the great thing is they work with the community. They work with the community to make sure that the community that is having to give back its farmland to be rewild, rewilded actually gets um, value and a contribution from the travel and tourism sector. Rwanda's doing that really, really well. Um, and so actually, often travel and tourism, we can be guardians of biodiversity. Great work happening in the Punta Cana group in Dominican Republic. Um, I know that you've been there yourself on occasions. Um, there, there's a Mr. Kale there. He is looking at coral. He's very, very concerned that over the next few years, we could lose all live coral everywhere in the world. And, you know, I sat him down. I said, so what's causing this? And he said, well, people talk about rising sea temperatures and also pollution. And that there is an impact on that. But often it can be the impact of local fishermen as well. Local fishermen that you need to involve as part of your community to protect their coral and not necessarily, you know, fish so heavily around the coral reefs that it, you know, it can accidentally cause damage. So it's about we're all in this together. So I actually see some great work by some individual organizations in travel and tourism, IHD, Hilton, Radisson doing great work. The other thing we're doing for the small hotels, we're working with the Sustainable uh, Sustainable Hospitality um, Alliance as well, SHA, great people there led by Glenn, is to support small hotels and small hotel uh, chains on that very first step on sustainability. You know, they're sitting there, what do I need to do? What should we do? And we've created this product called the Hotel Sustainability Basics. It's live now. If any of your viewers need more information, on it. It's been created by the industry for the industry. It's a verification model for small organizations to take that very first step on the sustainability ladder because the often our members, if you like, are very leaders in this area, but obviously 80% of our sector will be very small companies and they need a helping hand. So that's what we're trying to do with them. Love that. That's a great use of, of that and it's certainly important and hopefully you know, people make use of that. And sustainability is, uh, you know, a topic that continues to get talked about. And it's, I'm looking forward to seeing con continued action and, and all of that. And, and it seems like we're, we're getting there. Um, but we're, yeah, it, it takes time for sure. So 
as we wrap up here on the show, um, just lastly here, what's your advice for our, our travel advisor listeners out there um, in, in, in the world today? Well, I think they can be really, really positive. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. There are a lot of new destinations coming into the market yes you know paris new york they're still sort of top of the list when people looking at visiting lauderdale really really top but there's a lot of new opportunities out there so um yeah you know go well uh because it, it's a great big beautiful world indeed it is thank you so much for your time and taking uh time out of your busy day to talk travel here always a great time thank you very much and good luck to travel pulse and to you eric thank you Thanks again to Julia for jumping in on the show and talking all things global travel there. Exciting times ahead for the travel industry and a lot to do, a lot to see out there in the world. It is a big, beautiful world. So let me know where you're traveling next. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email. Again, thank you for listening, everyone. Have a great week. 